RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, and we are in the afterglow of Valor 75. Today will be our recap show. We get recap and reactions uh, from all the fights that went down this past weekend at Valor 75 from the world famous Cotton Night Joe. You can catch the replay of that event still at the VFCMMA.com website on demand. And uh, so that'll be the main thing we do today. Uh, we're going to go through each fight. We're going to see how our uh, picks panel did on their... Uh, on their selections and uh, kind of look ahead and see what uh, we think should be next for some of these guys. Uh, of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Watson, and uh, we got Greg Hopkins sitting in again today. Gentlemen, uh, before we get into this uh, Valor recap, a quick recap of the UFC from last weekend. It was the, um, it was a, a one of the U, uh, UFC on ESPN Plus cards. Of course, headlined uh, by a main event at the light heavyweight division. Glover Teixeira picks up the rear naked choke in the third round over Tiago Santos. Uh, betting underdog there at nearly two to one. So that was a nice uh, selection on my end uh, last week. Uh, not without danger in that one. He was hurt a couple times where I was scared he was going to get put away. But man, Glover just, he he's so durable and persistent. He, he would always push through to finish the takedown or uh you know or taking the elbows to the head he would he would continue to just kind of endure it until he got the position that he wanted finally got tiago santos out of there with a, a rear naked choke in the third round number one contender now asking for that title fight um but the thing is uh you know there's no doubt he deserves it but the question is how long will he have to wait for it if they're talking about uh, moving out of sonia up 205 to fight blahovich which now um yeah, you know, that kind of sucks for Glover. I don't see him getting if they do that fight. I don't see him getting, you know, his title fight for eight months or more, I would imagine. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on this main event? It was a great fight by Glover. You know, he turned himself into the Brazilian zombie there and he ate some big shots. But in every round, you know, he was able to get control, get it to the ground and control Tiago there, um, showing that he's, you know, he's. Glover's always been more of a striker and he really has been working on his jiu-jitsu a lot, I think, and got this fight to the ground and um, that's where he was was far superior. Uh, but Tiago's always dangerous. I don't know what they're going to do at light heavyweight. If, if Izzy goes up um, and wins that title, then it just throws everything off because he's probably not going to defend it. He's probably going to use that as a bargaining chip to fight John Jones. So then you have a, a vacant title there. So it, I don't know. It, it throws the whole thing off, but uh, I would like to see Glover get the shot um, rather than rather than Izzy. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you there. Greg, your thoughts on this main event? Glover to share the old man. Uh, man, it sticks out some tough moments that a lot of guys would have been probably uh, put away with. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I had I had Glover going into going into the final two, and also I just want to uh, talk about uh, from a betting perspective. Uh, I was trying to learn something because I had I had Glover all the way here, and I wanted to see how in between rounds. The bookies would bet, like you know, change the live lines, and the whole time they still had uh, they still had Glover, an underdog, yeah. until going in. And now was it was it the third round or the second? Is the third round, wasn't it? They finished it in the third. The third. Okay, yeah. So we going into the third round. It was almost they were both at like minus one ten going in, and as the fight was starting, it was like edging towards uh, edging towards uh, uh, 
Silva. And uh, because he hit him and, you know, rocked him right there at the beginning of the third round again and started going in because I was, like, immediately, like, trying to, re- you know, regret my bet, you know, thinking of Captain Hindsight flying through again. But, yeah, just durable, come through, and did exactly what we thought he was going to do. But uh, that was a scary fight. But, yeah, I was just wanting to try to learn something with the live betting lines. And you just they, – they try to make you make you lose. Like, they try to make you think that Thiago's still going to win that fight. I don't know. I was just trying to – trying to do something there with the MMA live lines and trying to see if I could learn something. Still didn't learn anything there. It was just kind of weird uh, how they still kept uh, still kept him up there. Uh, and then Glover was still the underdog, but I could have reloaded on that bet three times and won over and over again. Yeah, I guess the train of thought from the book's mind is, you know, the fight starts standing each round, and so there's going to be that initial barrage and danger that Glover has to has to make it through, you know, well, and but he did. Yeah. I was just wondering, like, because uh, uh, Silva, he beat uh, he beat uh, Block back in the day, didn't he? he Knock him out. Um, Block for the yes. champion right now. Yes. So I'm wondering if that has, like, the MMA math has a lot to do with the way they run their run their numbers and whatnot. Because there's only the very beginning of the round is the only time that he was winning, and I know we're trying to keep this, uh, you know, short and sweet. So, but I was just trying to touch base on that because I want to touch base on the one the uh, Bozer, you know, Bozer fight too. Yeah, the co-main event, uh, Andre Arlovsky with a pretty lackluster, I don't want to say lackluster, I guess it was a definite win, uh, but unanimous decision win that was less than inspiring, we'll say that, over Tanner Bozer, who a lot of people had uh, pegged as a pretty heavy favorite there. I recall saying last week, you know, don't be fooled by the two knockouts that Tanner Bozer had coming into this fight. That's not him, really. We saw what he's really about here. And uh, that is uh, staying at range and pecking away with leg kicks and trying to counterpunch a counterpuncher. And uh, that's, this was the one fight that uh, that it kind of lost me. I, I started dicking around on my phone uh, at that point. Greg, yeah. uh, you're. Well, me, me and you were talking and I sat there and told you on Friday night at Valor that I had a 10 man parlay. And as of right now, on Friday night, we're sitting, you know, with I had six of them that already came through on Bellator. Six of them have already won. I just got to get Kazi, Romanoff. Barcelos, Tanner Bozer. Tanner Bozer was the last leg of my parlay. And you looked at me and you said, it all sounds pretty good, except for <laughs> Tanner Bozer. And I agree with you 100% because Tanner Bozer is the fighter that Arlovsky wants because Tanner Bozer was going to respect Arlovsky. I guess just his name, if he would have went out there and fired off like he like he had the past two fights, I can't say he wouldn't have got caught and knocked out, but I can say that a game plan he came in there was shitty. I mean, that's Arlovsky's game. He's just going to stand and stand and just, just, you know, as soon as you hit, he's just going to react and then move out of the way. And they both played that. One of the most boringest fights, you're right, it was like Lester. It was stupid. Uh, but it was hands-down victory for Arlovsky. So that whole parlay, that 10-man parlay, I had riding on Bozer right there. But with Arlovsky plus 315 on the books before the fight starts, I went ahead and, and uh, you know, yes. hedged that one. Yeah. 315 was plus. Because by the time – if Tanner Bozer was minus 300 when I had him, by the time the fight started, he was like minus 400. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, that's, you uh, know, and, and yeah. in hindsight, you're just like, man, you mm-hmm. know, that's, you kind of, I mean, you know, you can see it coming almost, you know. <laughs> and so, and, yeah, you could. So those are the ones we've got to start paying attention to if we're yeah. going to look on the books. Uh, you know, we'll get into more of that later on in the show for this week. 
Of course, rounding out the main card, uh, Ronnie Barcelos with a uh, great, great return and a unanimous decision went over Khalid Taha. Uh, Giga Chikadze with a first-round knockout over Jamie Simmons. Uh, that was pretty elementary, but kind of a mismatch there. A uh, real nice win for uh, Jan Janan, who gets, uh, improves to 6-0 and in the UFC. She hasn't lost in a decade uh, as she gets a unanimous decision win over Claudia Gadelia. Uh, Trevin Giles with a knockout over Bevan Lewis in the third round. I'd say he's going to get cut probably bevan didn't look like he belonged much enduring at all during his ufc tenure he's got the look you know he's a big guy kind of like john jones he just doesn't really do much uh alexander romanoff with a submission via forearm choke uh chokes marcos rogerio de lima unconscious with a forearm choke you don't see that ever especially at that level uh darren elkins with a rear naked choke over eduardo garigori that was my lock if you guys listened last week i said go ahead and put the trailer on darren elkins he made it scary i was <laughs> not uh super super confident as we were <laughs> through the fight as he was getting lit up but uh at least he came through for us. Uh, Max Griffin with a uh, TKO, I guess, stoppage, a doctor stoppage, you would say, or injury stoppage uh, in the third round as he more or less <laughs> fucking ripped Ramiz Brahmaj's ear halfway off with a gnarly elbow. And then Gustavo Lopez uh, makes quick work of the late replacement Anthony Beercheck. Uh, with a submission in the first round. Justin, you wanted to touch on that Max Griffin and uh, Brian Maj. Yeah, man, Brian I felt like made a, a good show for himself coming in. I think he had a tough test with Max, with Max Griffin, um, and he, I think he, he did well uh, to, to hang in there as, as well as he did and put on a good fight. But when he got hit with that elbow in the clinch, man, that thing ripped open. I was, like, trying to get my kid to puke by looking at it. You could, like, see down in his skull. Yeah, it was an hour later. Uh, that, was, uh, well, that was overall for me, like – I didn't do really well, like on DFS, but I did pretty dang good on the books. I feel like I I, I won a lot more than I lost on this one. So overall, pretty good event for me. Uh, moving on to this week's action as we close the book on last week, real quick, we'll touch on um, tonight's uh, event, which is getting kicked off right now. Uh, Bellator 252 prelims getting going. We got uh, Patricky, uh, Patricio Pitbull uh, in the main event defending his featherweight title against Pedro Carvalho from uh, Portugal, who is a pretty major underdog here. This is also part of their featherweight Grand Prix. We've got a pretty good co-main event with two undefeated Jaroslav Amosov, 24-0 against the four-time Division One All-American Logan Storley at 11-0. So that should get Greg's penis hard. Uh, Daniel Weichel, the German, rematches Emmanuel Sanchez. That's the main card. You got some Aaron Pico on the prelims. You've got some uh, uh, some Conry Gracie on the prelims, and then of course someone we'll be watching, Emily King uh, from KMAA, will be on the prelims taking on Carrie Melendez, four and zero. Carrie Melendez, wife of Gilbert. Tough fight for Emily King, but she definitely surprised a lot of people in her Bellator debut last time over Ava Knight. So we'll see if she can pull the upset again. Uh, Justin, anything on this Bellator card? I'm definitely looking forward to Emily King, Carrie Melendez. You know, it's obviously uh, we have some bias going into that one, but it's it's a fairly small weight class in the division. Um, so either girl comes out with a big win, you know, it could, it could definitely launch their career. Um, and I think both girls are, are capable of doing something special in there. Um, see how Aaron Pico does is, you know, kind of getting a, I feel like this is more of a step back in competition than what he's fought in the past. 
Uh, but they need to get him, get some wins under the kids belt and, and, and push him pretty good. Um, and I'm looking forward to the rematch between Carvajal and, and Patricky. Carvajal talks a lot, but Patricky's Patricky's a killer, man. Greg, anything on this Bellator card you want to touch on here? Uh, I mean, of course, I'm intrigued in the Emily King fight, and uh, if it was with with Melendez, and if, if she does come through at that when you know that that low 115 weight class Justin speaks of, uh, her at four and three, Melendez at four and zero. Oh, if she comes through and wins, she's a plus 380 favorite. So you know, shout out to her if she can win me some money on the books tonight. Uh, but uh, speaking of. Um, uh, Storley, Logan Storley getting my penis hard. My penis gets harder for Aaron Pico, man. Oh, yeah. and, uh, I'm excited to see him get in there against the John De hey, Jesus, John De Jesus, or Jesus. How do you pronounce his name? But, um, John De either way, I, John De Jesus. But uh, he, uh, him, him, you know, and, and this is still, they're still building Aaron Pico at six and three right here. And, 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 and I think his ranking is a little low, but it again, he's just a wrestler and boxer turned MMA at a young age and he's still, like it's is is as much as much as people talk shit about him, the kid's twenty four years old, he's got nine pro fights at Bellator. Uh but I am excited to see him fight. Uh but I don't know, I like watching the wrestlers of course. Uh, I'm excited for the co name with Storley, but I want to see Aaron Pico get another uh left hook in there somewhere. Pico's like eight hundred. He's like a really, really heavy favorite on this one, which Yeah, but know, with, and that's be, not that's not yeah, have pause still just because you know he's he's shown in the past that he can be beaten by lesser fighters it's tough it's tough to it's tough to play him still i think you should win that's why i was i was thinking about maybe just throwing a little sprinkling a little on his uh on john over there i mean he's plus 500 you know what's what's ten dollars to win 50 you know i mean that's a good deal (laughs) i think the problem with aaron pico is the way bellator's matched him if you look at his losses i mean you know, two of them are against guys that are, you know, in the top 15 of the division. And like you say, he's only got nine fights as a professional total. They just didn't build him right. the right way. I, I think, you know, but yeah, they wanted him to be a star and he's fight. awesome. So they threw him in there. Yeah, with, his first fight. Yeah, with like uh, Henry Corrales and shit. You know what I mean? Like oh, Henry yeah. Corrales has been fighting forever and is, a you know, a big hitter too. And, to, to put him in there with guys like guys like that early, I think was the mistake with Aaron Pico. But with a few of these, get his confidence back up. He'll be he'll be on the rise. Of course, uh, the other event this weekend is the UFC uh, Fight Night. Once again, we're back on ESPN Plus, and sat, that's Saturday night. We are headlined by a, a new main event here uh, with uh, originally supposed to be Islam. Uh, Makachev uh, taking on uh, RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos, making his drop back down to 155. Uh, but uh, it was a staff infection that took uh, uh, Makachev out of the fight. And so now we get Paul Felder, which I'm actually more excited for. I think we'll get a more exciting fight, uh, even though uh, that was still a solid matchup they had originally. But it was going to be Paul Felder. You know what's weird to me is Paul had said he's not he's only going to fight uh, if there if it was like a marquee matchup something that really kind of you know floated his boat and I'm surprised that uh, RDA is that guy. The only thing I can imagine is you know Dana had to have paid a lot for this because if you take this fight off this card and you lose that main event, then wee you've got um, you got a contender series card. <laughs> you know you, it's not there is no 
There is no practical main event left on this card if you lose the main event. And we ain't there yet, I don't suppose. I'm going to get both of y'all's thoughts on this main event. And then uh, one more fight from each of you on this card, as well as your DraftKings lock and fade. And then we will get on out of here and move on to our Valor recap. Um, Of course, RDA is the betting favorite coming into this one over uh, Paul Felder. Uh, fairly uh, fairly substantial, about two to one, give or take. And, but it's a uh, you know, short notice five for Felder. He said he's been training for triathlons and whatnot moving into this. So one has to imagine he's, his cardio should check out okay for this five-round fight. Definitely a stylistic change of opponent for, um, for RDA, who is getting ready for a stifling wrestler in uh, Makachev. And now he gets a guy who's going to want to stand and bang and Paul Felder. Uh, I'll go to you first, Greg. Uh, I just, uh, I wonder, RD, uh, I wonder of RDA, I wonder him cutting to 55 again. You know, he's getting older. I'm not saying he's bad by any means, but, you know, went to 170 and, you know, he fought some of the better competition and uh, uh, they did okay sometimes. Sometimes they didn't do okay. Uh, you know, not not the best 170, but, you know, he was the, the champion at lightweight at one time. Uh, with that being said, you guys mentioned Felder. Uh, running triathlons and we talk we, we joke about him like is he ever going to get like a big big huge shot fight you know like he, he just fought hooker right here recently a while back which is a good fight and whatnot but uh this is a five round fight and, and and did we know if he was really training all the time he was supposed to be working the uh you know work you know commentary here and uh and doing all that all that all, and then you know it's four four days before the fight before we get you know he's now he's jumping in there is he going to be ready I don't think he's going to be five round ready. So for that reason, you know, and I just I contradict that by saying RDA is getting a little bit older and he's making this weight cut. The reason he's not doing 155 fights anymore is because like that cut to him is like, you know, physically damaging. He can't do it anymore, but he's cutting down now. I'm wondering how he goes in the later rounds or, but I, I think he does fine. I think he does fine. And I don't know that Felder does do fine in the later rounds. So for that reason, I'm taking, uh, Rafael DeSantis. Justin. I'm going the other way, man. I think that um, Paul Felder is, is a smart feller. You know, I think that he's been basic. You know, he, he's got some of the best trainers around all the time. He's following the UFC everywhere they go. He's constantly working out, getting looks, getting different training partners in to spar with and stuff. And I think that he's probably just had in his mind for a while, look, I'm going to stay in shape, stay close enough to the weight where I can make it. And if one of these big fights falls off, I'm right here. I'm already booked to do commentary. I think RDA is a big enough name for that. I mean, Paul Felder has been in big fights for the last five or six, but I think RDA is the biggest name that that will be on his resume. On his resume, former champion went up to seventy, and like I said, I think he's four out of his lost four of his last five, but two of them, you know, two of them were to Colby and uh, Camaro, and then Kiesa and uh, 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 what's his name? One more, but the, you know, top top 15 guys, um, top 10 guys up there. So I think RDA coming back down into the weight class falls somewhere into the top 10 and Felder's probably seven or eight. I'm not sure where he's at right now, but um, I think it's a big name to put on your resume and then to do it on five days notice. He was saying, you know, this is a story he'll have to tell his grandkids. And that's, that's the type of guy he is, you know, he's, he's looking for those type of big moments. And this is, you know, one of the biggest main events. I mean, I don't know what, you know, how many other main events have been taken this short of notice, you know, and, and kept it in the same weight class and stuff and been top tier names like this. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this fight. 
And the other one. Hey. Go ahead. Hey, I was going to interrupt you guys real quick and let you guys know that Conroy Gracie got a TKO by punches in the third round. He lost? By Trevor Good. He lost. Oh, wow. He was like minus 800. Just killed all my parlays. Oh. Just killed all my parlays. <laughs> all right, sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, moving on uh, down the line here, the co-main event. This one should be violent, at least. I, I don't know about its co-main event credentials, but I guess it'll probably be exciting, probably more exciting than the last co-main event. Uh, Abdul, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan comes off a loss uh, in his return after two years of sitting on the shelf for some legal issues, taking on Chaos Williams, who is 10-1 and one, and uh, coming off of a win over uh, Brandon or not Brandon, um, over Alex uh, Morono, uh, who who we'll see a little bit later on this card. That's their co-main event. Julian Marquez takes on Sapperbeg Safarov at middleweight. Kay Hansen versus Corey McKinnon in a battle of uh, uh, up-and-coming uh, strawweight uh, prospects. And we get Eric Anders on short notice on this card, taking on Antonio Arroyo and then Brendan Allen uh versus sean strickland now that's the that's the people's co-main event as far as i'm concerned brendan allen was supposed to fight ian heinish last week now he gets sean strickland who we just saw fight a couple weeks ago look really really good against jack marshman that's the main card uh justin you want to touch on that brendan allen sean strickland that's my favorite fight on the card for sure brendan allen's a high pace you know wrestler type but has been working on his striking a lot with duke rufus and sean strickland's you know more of a striker but um, I think the value, especially on DraftKings, is on Brennan Allen. I think you can get him at, at a pretty good price. I was trying to pull it up here real quick, but um, he's the Brennan Allen's a slight favorite uh, as far as the odds go. Um, but I feel like on DraftKings, he was a, a good good deal. Uh, and of course, uh, on the uh, uh, Greg, you wanted to, t- to touch on that co-main event, uh, Al Hassan and Chaos Williams. Oh, I just, the only thing I like in that, which is, uh, it's iffy or whatnot, but I like the under, under one and a half in there, because I think if Williams, if Williams is going to go out there just firing, trying, looking for the Alice on it, and I, I, I just, I see one guy getting finished well in the, well into the first round, like, like in the first few minutes. And so yeah, I like the under. Yeah, either way, right though, I, would, I would agree. Probably one of them is going to get stopped. Uh, prelims, it's Ashley Yoder taking on Miranda Granger. It's Strawweight, Alex Morono versus uh, Reese McKee, who we saw fight uh, against Kamzat Chimaev last time out. We'll see if he has a little better time here against Morono. Luis Smoke versus Jose Quinones at uh, Bantamweight. Miranda Marcos takes on the debuting Kanako Murata from uh, Japanese fighter uh, coming over from Invictus. Really solid wrestling credentials there for Murata. Uh, Tony Gravely versus uh, Geraldo de Freitas and then low-level heavyweights to open the card. Dontel Mays and Roque Martinez. Man, this, I'm not. there's not a whole lot that excites me on this prelim uh, card, honestly. I do think Smoke and, and Quinones could be Pretty good action fight, uh, Greg. Any any you know, on this prelim card? You uh, you had you had your eye on uh, Yoder and Granger potentially Morono McKee. Yeah, just a uh, I, I like a Yoder and and Justin. You might laugh at me as her uh, taking her even as a favorite at minus one twenty, but she's you know she's higher up in the rankings. You know, on topology, she's, she's seven six, but like all her fights, yeah, but all her fights are all against like you know the top just the top tier girls over there and Miranda Granger, you know, is coming in here and she's not fighting. She's never fought anybody in my opinion. I mean, that's just, you know, I, well, she had, who was it? Lima, who she fought before this? It was, uh, she was on the team real quick, but anyway, 
why she lost for the first time, if I can recall. She lost. Yeah, she lost to Lemos. Amanda Lemos. Yeah. So that and that's the only one I feel on her on her resume. Okay, so here's but what is what I'm getting at. She lost her in the first round. Uh, and here's what and, and and they're thinking of this possibly to go distant, but if you look at her whole her 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 whole uh record, she's every first round arm bar, first round rear naked choke, second round punches. And that's you know, uh first round, first round, all of them are first round. So I mean and I would look at this to go over you know, go to go over, but with Ashley Yoder being as durable as she is, she probably doesn't get finished or submitted by Granger here. And for that reason, I think Granger gets tired, you know, mid, mid second round and fades and Ashley could possibly finish her in the third or just come up with a decision. So I like her at minus 120 and Ashley Elder. All right. And uh, real quick, guys, uh, for your uh, DFS, give me your fade and your lock of the week. Who's the one guy that you're going to have in uh, most all your lineups and someone that uh, you don't want to touch for me? I'll tell you guys that uh, that I'm looking to save some money uh, on this one and uh, probably take Paul Felder. Honestly, is seventy four hundred dollars pretty cheap play five round fight. Uh, you could see him potentially scoring fairly well even in a potential loss. Uh, my my fade this week that I just don't feel like I can uh, really really take too much part in. Uh, no matter no matter what is actually going to be um, is going to be uh, Ray Marcos. I don't see. You know, I don't see many advantages for her here, even in a win. I don't see her being able to score a whole lot against uh, the stifling wrestler in Murata. Uh, Justin. Uh, you stole both of mine right there, but um, to change it up, I'll go with uh, Brandon Allen. He's at 7,900. His average is 102.8. And he, he's going to be in there hitting takedowns and and um, advancing position and scoring a lot of points, I think. Um and my fade would probably be, I don't know, I was thinking random Marcos, but um, probably go with uh, Reese McKee. I just think he's probably, probably yep. in every set in that one. Okay, great. Hold on, time out. Your fade is Reese McKee? Yeah. That's your fade? Well, hell, yeah. my pick was going to be Reese McKee. Yeah, because he's a seventy three hundred. Because he's a seventy three hundred, and hell, he just fought, you know, the Chami in, and like I feel like the UFC kind of owes him a favor. And if Moreno were to fight, if he were to fight, you know, kind of that the same thing would happen to him. Uh, the only thing I don't, and I, the only thing I can maybe kind of slightly agree with you is that like you know, uh, Ross McKee, that you know he's he's a one fifty five er and he's been fighting at the one seventy. You know, even though he might be cracking some guys over there in the region, you know, or whatever, it doesn't mean he's going to step up in the in, you know, the Super Bowl of MMA and do well. I think it's an even more even fight, but, you know, him on the books is plus 160. I'm going to take a stab at him there at plus 160 just because, of, you know, there's a chance he can win. But I also like him over – I like the over two and a half for that better at minus 135. But he was one of my, you know, one of my highly high picks on the books or on the, and on the draft kings this weekend. But my – um. Let me go back and look and tell you who my fade's going to be for the week. And I guess, uh, if I'm I being straight I up, I had, the I had no idea when he took mine, so I just threw a name out there as I was looking at the at the sheet. Well, it's all good. I just, I mean, like, I mean, he's he's usually fighting 155, and now he's been fighting 170 lately. So there's a good chance he could get finished here too. But he can hit hard, and he's he's no slouch. But at 7300, you're getting a lot of value there. I mean, even if it goes the distance, you're definitely going to get value out of him if he wins. Uh, or if we're finishing the first round at 7,300. Uh, for the, 
as far as my fade, I would I'm not not going with the Anders and Ario fight because Anders, if I go back and look at him, he scored over a hundred points twice in his career, and he and he usually he ranges in like the forty or fifty. And I just I, and I think he wins the fight, so he might get like seventy points unless he gets knockout. But other other that's what I'm I'm fading that fight itself. But you're gonna have to have the winner of the uh, the chaos fight. Who was it? Williams and Alhassan. Uh, Alhassan, uh, that fight. Yeah. You're gonna have to, to to get on the line. But yeah, there's my there's my fading pick. Yeah, that's one that I could actually see me sprinkling some Chaos Williams lineups out there to save the money and to just have a shot still at a potential, you know, if he, if he pulled it off, then he's going to be uh, probably in your optimal lineup, I would imagine. I think so. All right. Uh, let's move on then to our recap of Valor 75, guys. Of course, you guys were both there on commentary that evening. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it was a great night of fights. It was uh, one of the most electric evenings that uh, I can ever recall being a part of. It was uh, for, an, for an all amateur show. It, it, it was it was something else to behold, I will say. Uh, let's get into it, guys. Of course, uh, we'll just alternate back and forth here. Uh, keep it really quick on a lot of these early fights that, um, you know, um, that we had on the prelims. Uh, opened it up with a. Uh, a Combat jiu-jitsu match, Tristan Pack uh, over Peyton Uten. Um, and, uh, well, actually, before we do that, Justin, where were the, let's get our standings. We're, we're, coming into this event, uh, in, where, where did we stand? Coming into this week, Hobbs was in the lead with 55, Greg 53, and Chad 47. After this week, Hobbs went 16 and 5 and still in the lead with 71. Greg and Chad both went 14 and 7. Greg ends with 67 and Chad was 61. So Chad's 10 points behind and Greg's four points behind. All right. Tristan Pack picks up the uh, win with a triangle, the flying Hawaiian. They went about seven minutes, a uh, decent little start to the show. Uh, after that, uh, uh, what did we have? We had one for each of those, right, uh, Justin? Uh, we, yeah, we had one for each way that it could have gone. Greg took a draw, Hobbs took Uten, and Chad with Pack. Okay, and then uh, up next it was uh, Joseph Hishman from Sealed Systems with a, um, I guess it ended up being a called a a TKO um, on this one. It was is it, it was a verbal submission by Bud Cook who who actually fought fairly valiantly through uh, through the first round. We got to the second round and uh, about uh, thirty seconds sec uh, thirty six seconds into that uh, second round, Bud just couldn't go anymore. Uh, did look a little bit more uh, you know comfortable out there without the takedowns. I'll say for Bud, but congrats to Joseph Hishman made it look uh, made it look easy out there and uh, got that win uh, over Bud Cook. Uh, Greg, uh, your thoughts on uh, these first couple here? Any uh, anything stood out? Uh, you know, Bud Bud Cook making that leap over to, to kickboxing for the first time, and uh, he got to the second round this time. Yeah, it was it was cool seeing uh, seeing Bud Cook doing a little different. It's cool seeing that O and O next to his name, uh, and seeing him start out with a little bit of uh, you know experience in another in another you know discipline. But uh, uh, something that's funny about it, if you look it up on Tapology, it says Bud Cook Muay Thai bout submission verbal. Yeah. And uh, I, I've never seen I've never seen that in a stand up kickbox. I've never. I mean, I guess it happens. I don't look at them a whole lot. But uh, yeah, he showed himself out. But uh, Ishme, uh was a uh, pretty dominant out there and pretty. I mean, he really was. At, he, I mean, he was relentless. I guess to say and uh, pushed Bud to quit. 
you know, into the end of the second. Uh, all the picks on uh, Hishma there, uh, was it, Justin? Yes. All right. Up next, we had uh, a little glimpse at one of the participants in the uh, 170 tournament coming up here at Valor 76. Tie night at the Joe Tyler Hampton representing that Triple Crown Juggernaut Boxing Group with a uh, with a uh, win by a TKO late, uh, pretty much at the very end of the first round over Austin Nation. Uh, man, Hampton just never stopped throwing. I'm pretty positive he just threw the entire two minutes and just it was like a two minute long combo more or less on Austin Nations, who to his credit never never went down, probably should have been granted a standing eight count at one point, but uh, was not. And uh, uh, and finally, just had, uh, he, had, had, he retired in between rounds. And so a nice win for Tyler Hampton as he kind of uh, gets uh, ready to, to roll into this tournament. Justin, your thoughts on Hampton here and his, uh, his, uh, his prospects coming into to this uh, eight-man tournament? Yeah, it was, um, I, I guess that was his first... Um Kickboxing match as well, right? Uh, yeah, it's his first tie fight. He'd had, I think, uh, he'd had two or three, uh, you know, K one style fights. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, he looked good. I mean, coming in, um, you know, he was he's he's pretty put together, and he put it on Austin Nations pretty good. Austin was kind of just head down throwing punches, and Tyler definitely was throwing, you know, with I believe more technique. It wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't uh, taking his time out there. He was bringing it to him, but. Um, his punches were a lot more, you know, a lot cleaner. Um, so it was a good, good way to get him, get him ready to go for next month. He'll be paired up with Derek Smith from LKA in the first round of that tournament. That'll be an interesting fight, I think, for sure. Yeah, I saw that one today. Uh, where do we have on the picks? Um, everybody went with Hampton on that one. All right. Up next, it was uh, a scary moment for us in this next one, guys. Taylor Roderick makes his debut uh, representing Bon Muay Thai and gets a 33-second knockout, head kick knockout with the headgear over G1 martial arts Isaac Allman. There had been a low blow, I think. Was it a low blow or was it? did they have to fix the headgear? For some reason, the, the his, his headgear came off. Head, yeah. yeah, his headgear came off. There was a stoppage of of the action while we, while they adjusted the headgear and just more or less, as soon as we came back from, from the stoppage of the action, Rodrigue just, just whipped a head kick out there and just knocked him unconscious, man. He was out scary moment, scary, several moments, man. It took a while uh, for them to revive him. And luckily he's okay. Likely concussed. So hopefully he uh, recovers quickly, but a very, very impressive debut for Taylor Roderick, who actually will uh, take the place of, uh, of a guy that uh, uh, William Lavigno, who was in the tournament next week or next month, rather, I'm sorry. He, he's actually he pulled out and Taylor Roderick will now enter that tournament to take on Peyton Hughes from up in Kentucky. And uh, man, uh, pretty, pretty slick uh, debut here for Taylor Roderick, Greg. Yeah, right here. That was kind of scary. But I mean, you know, you, you got to protect yourself at all times. With that being said, I, I don't I, I mean, I don't believe that Isaac Allman should uh should have been in the cage uh doing i don't think he should have been fighting yet i think he needs to go back to basics and just not to not to hate on him man but like he had no business being in the cage with taylor and uh taylor had no business being in the cage with him and uh, we found that out you know in in the first round i mean uh if you if, if you agree to a fight and you know you have to wear a headgear like you know bring bring your own headgear if, if you don't like the one that's provided for you uh, and that was something that he, I know he was complaining about with headgear. Well, 
next time you, you sign a contractor or whatnot for a fighter, agree to a fight, say, I don't want a headgear because that was the issue he was having on top of not being ready for the fight. And it's something that threw him off. And when they restarted it, uh, Taylor saw his opening and he came in and threw it straight up. I mean, it was beautiful, but it was ugly too. Uh, but with that being said, um, I hope to see Isaac come back, but I would like to see him, you know, you know, I hate to, you know, you know, shade, you know, throw, you know, not throw any light on Taylor over here, but I see Isaac get back into the gym and work on some stuff before he decides to fight again because it's a serious game and we found out the hard way that night, but uh, a really impressive fight by Taylor and uh, I'm, in, I'm excited to see him next month in December in the tournament. Uh, it's going to be a good one. How did we pick that one, Justin? Chad went with Allman, Greg and Hobbs both took, uh, took Nichols. So Chad burned his pick that he was he had earned earlier, huh? Yeah. Uh, and then the rounding out the prelim, it was Sean Nickel uh, from Triple Crown Juggernaut taking on Bradley Brakefield. This is the final qualifier spot for the 145 tournament next month. The winner getting to move into the slot against Travel Boone, which will be a very tough matchup in the first round from Nashville. But uh, Sean Nickel just looked really good out there, very crisp. You know, Brakefield's always game, but he just never had an opportunity to get anything going at all. Nickel just. Uh, you know, not overwhelming with power, but very good technique, very good speed. Uh, looked like he was wanting to get some work in there, and he got him out of there in the second round, about 48 seconds in, after about a, a four-year hiatus from the sport where, you know, he had several MMA fights leading up to this and, uh, you know, kind of got out there and, uh, you know, was able to break some uh, some cage rust. And uh, as he gets ready to move on to this tie fight tournament as well next month, uh, Justin, a pretty good debut there for Nickel, uh, in Valor anyway. And uh, overall, a good night for Triple Crown. Yeah, man, I thought he looked great. You know, like you said, real clean, crisp, striking. Um, Bradley's always going to be coming forward. I think he threw 147 spinning back fists <laughs> and landed a few of them. Um <laughs> But Nichols was just, you know, the technique was was just solid, and he was on him the whole time, and didn't really give Bradley much room to to breathe or, or throw many big shots. Um, and then yeah, I got the stoppage. I think it was the body shot in the second round. And how do we pick it? Um, let's see here. Everybody took Nichols there. Okay. Moving on to MMA, we had a battle of North Carolina here as John Lamia steps in on short notice for Brandon Garner to take on Jake Johnson from Indian Land MMA. It was uh, Lamia representing Jim O, and uh, he came in at one and two and got the win in the second round to climb to two and two. Got a rear naked choke over Jake Johnson. Pretty competitive fight. Uh, honestly, it was really, really close. The first round was certainly back and forth, and uh, Lamia just got the better of the position there in the second round, got him out of there evens his record at two and two both guys uh pleasure to work with and uh both showed uh, good skills out there uh greg all righty talking about lamia right there and johnson yeah john lamia and jake yep yeah right there he climbed a two and two on his record right there uh i mean that was the first MMA fight of the night right there and uh it was hard to follow up you know the action we've already had but as far as lamia goes uh we were talking about, you know, how good he looked on the on the ground once he was able to, mm-hmm. you know, secure that submission over there that me and Justin was speaking of. Uh, but yeah, shouts out to Lamia right there. And then of course, uh, how did we pick that one, Justin? Everybody took Lamia on that one. All right. 
Up next was, uh, man, it was slobber knocker. We got a performance of the night out of this next one. A 220-pound catch weight, John Hampton from Magogi Combatives uh, comes out and just absolutely trades leather with Antonio Holt from Boyd Brothers MMA. Both guys hurt the other guy multiple times in the round, but ultimately John Hampton able to start accumulating some damage over Antonio Holt with his, uh, when he had him pressed up against the cage. And uh, he was out on his feet. He was unconscious on his feet. He never went down, but uh, – but he was certainly out. And so we got a TKO stoppage at 239 of round one. Holt uh, drops to 0-2. He's a he's a deceptive 0-2. Uh, he's a guy that you're going to run up on and see 0-2, and, and you're going to get a guy that's still pretty tough. Uh, John Hampton looked real good out there uh, for his debut fight. We're really looking forward to seeing him back in January, it looks like. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to you, Greg, on this one since this is your teammate. I'll let you talk on this one. I know you were you were standing up for this one. Oh, yeah. I was excited for this one because, uh, I mean, we knew Antonio Holt was a tough cat, and we knew that the fight he had prior to this with the 0-1 loss against Vinny Torres uh, may may or may not have been a fluke, but uh, we know that it was going to be a banger. John Hampton coming in green, first fight. Uh, we knew that he was a big boy, and they were gonna, he was looking for the knockout because he's seen the blueprint to beat him is to just knock, knock the hell out of him. And uh, But... I'm going to make this a short and sweet. That was a scary fight. You know, from a teammate's perspective, it was a scary fight, but it was an exciting fight for, for everybody because like it, at some, at every, every which way point in time was the, was the definition of sports, like of what a sport is. Like you can, at one point in time, you can have hope. And then the very next moment you have despair, but then guess what? Oh, you have hope again. And then despair. And that went back and forth for both guys. So it was like a range of emotions and a roller coaster. And uh, it deserved every award we have for the night, and both guys deserved it because uh, that, in my opinion, was probably five of the night. Maybe other than I don't know. I think it does beat every five. We'll get we'll get to more later, but um, I think it does. And uh, with that being said, Antonio Holt is one of the most deceptive Owen twos that we will have at lightweight. You know, going around. And how did they pick that one there, Justin? Greg's the only one picking up a point there. Oh. All right, up next, we had a decision fight for, uh, for the first time. We go to a decision. It was heavyweights, and David Chuklea uh, evens his record to 2-2, two and two, representing Indian Land MMA in a hard-fought decision win over Somerset Martial Arts' Josh Denham, who falls to 0-2. Uh, Denham accounted pretty well for himself. You know, his first fight was against C.J. Baker, and he was game in that one before he went down. And in this one, he went all the rounds. Uh, he won a round. He, it was one-to-one going to the third round. But Euclid just kind of kept that pressure on him. You know, he never really relented that just kind of steady pressure. Denim uh, found himself in bad positions in the third round, bloodied up pretty good, and just wasn't able to dig deep enough to overcome. Congrats to Euclid on the win. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on this heavyweight uh, tilt? Yeah, this is not one that you would have thought was going to go to a decision. Um, At the end, both these guys were were worn out, but – um, just a true show of heart from both guys, you know, like you said, one-to-one going into the third round and um, Chiclayo, his gas tank was just a little bit, a um, little bit better. I think once they got there and he was able to pull that round out, but um, I think it was a, it was a fun fight for everybody to get, to get going on the night. And they actually told me uh, this week when I talked to his team, Chiclayo is going to go pro off of that one, I believe. Oh, really? With, he's already signed with somebody else? I don't think he's signed. He's he's open to whatever. He just has declared himself wanting to go pro. Oh, so that's cool. We'll see. We'll see what comes of it. Up next, it was uh, well. How did they pick that one first? I guess Justin. Um, everybody had denim on that one. 
Ooh, everybody loses. So we owe to Clay an interview. Make note. He'll probably be an inter- he'll be an interesting one to talk to as well, I think. Um, and then uh, we had middleweights up next. It was George Lowe returning to the Valor Cage off of his win back in September. So we had a quick turnaround, and he moves to two and zero with a first round TKO over the debuting Hunter Spring from the UFC gym in Murfreesboro. Of course, George Lowe representing uh, Coach Ray Thompson's Upstate Karate over there in South Carolina, and uh, he looked good out there. A little bit more measured than his first fight. He kind of took his time, uh, you know, threw some good leg kicks. Hunter Spring very game, never really you know went away he, he stayed there in the pocket as long as he could but just too much firepower from george Lowe, blue chip prospect in my opinion a guy that uh, is going to be moving on to uh i would imagine the pro ranks before too long he's got that uh, that factor you know obviously uh very athletic and to not have a background in combat sports he's really picked this stuff up quickly uh greg your thoughts uh yeah i wouldn't doubt it if we do see george Lowe in the uh really soon in the pro rankings. I mean, that's something I even thought about myself whenever he fought in Chattanooga. I said, I don't see that kid uh, as polished up as he is as, a, uh, as an amateur, debut amateur. I don't see him staying at that level for long at all. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're paying attention to him right now with George Lowe. It's, uh, it's put together. And, uh, Justin, how did everybody pick? Uh, everybody took a low there. All right. And we go on now to a featherweight bout, Ninja Nick Wiggly on the quick turnaround coming off of a title uh, opportunity in which came up short in Chattanooga in September and uh, doesn't come up short here as he moves to five and two over Russell House, uh, who loses his debut fight. This was an interesting one here because House never stopped smiling the entire fight. I, I I went back and watched the video and this guy is cheesing ear to ear the entire fight, whether he's on top, whether he's getting punched, whether he's being choked. Uh, He is uh, constantly having a good time out there. And he was game. Just uh, I think we saw a more, I felt like a much more aggressive kind of uh, feral version of Nick Wiggly in this fight. I don't recall seeing Nick just unleashing ground and pound like, he did in this one in his past fight. So coming off that loss, he must have had a uh, bad taste in his mouth, ready to get it out of there. Uh, your thoughts, Justin? I thought Nick looked great. You know, he's, he comes from a stand-up background and has a, a taekwondo school, and his wrestling really showed out in this one, you know, with some some big slams and um, dominant top pressure and able to get that finish and showing how well-rounded he is. Uh, moving to five and two, you know, I see him if he's if he's not planning on going pro yet, then he's going to be fighting for that title again. I would say fairly soon. I uh, wouldn't mind seeing him with, with maybe Sam Kilmer uh, in the future. All right, and how did everybody select that one? Everybody went with Wiggly. Okay. And up next, it looks like we have a light heavyweight bout. It was D'Angelo Johnson taking on CJ Talent, and it was uh. D'Angelo Johnson getting the win and moving to 2-0. and Well, this is a weird one. This is a bit of an, an odd one here. Um, good fight while it lasted. Uh, some good strikes landed by both. CJ Talent from Wolvesden and Madisonville throwing a lot of, uh, you know, high kicks and spinning kicks. And it's definitely interesting. Uh, and then when it ended, at, which was at 145 of the first round, this is kind of how it went. <laughs> um there was a body shot landed by D'Angelo Johnson on CJ Talent that dropped him. And it was placed in as such that I and, and many others thought that it was low. 
And um, that's from my side. That's from the commentary side. And then the referee, Chandler Goins, who is behind the shot, also thought it was low. Well, upon impact, CJ Talent dropped to his knees. Chandler stepped in and called a stop to the action because he thought that it was a low blow. CJ, to his credit, was honest and said, no, that was not a low blow. It was clean. It just hurt. And at this point, it's a conundrum because Chandler has stopped the action and then just waves off the fight. (laughs) And so um, there's kind of a weird situation there because the action was stopped because he thought it was a low blow. I don't think that it was a shot that would have put CJ away for the ending of the fight. I think that there would have been some ground some ground exchanges. Uh, D'Angelo may have gotten to, to the top and pounded him out from there. CJ may have gotten up and regained his composure, may have submitted him, who knows. It wasn't a fight-ending level of damage at the time, but the fact that Chandler stepped in and stopped the action and then found it was not a foul, I guess I guess what I would have think what should have been done was to have restarted the action either – both standing or maybe you, I don't know exactly how you would go about restarting it to be fair to everyone, but uh, to call the fight at that point was certainly um, not uh, to the pleasure of CJ talent uh, who, who was very, uh, very displeased afterward with the way it stopped because he thought that there was, he was still going to have more opportunity to, to defend himself. So just a really wonky ending to that fight. I would like to get both of your takes on this one with Greg going first. Uh, I'm with you on that. Well, I thought it was a low blow, and then after seeing the replay, it was just like a mid-Texas shot right there. Dude, I could do like a color plex, and he like goes down. And uh, even he, went like a pro re- he went down like in pro wrestling, like when they come off the ropes and the guy drops down and like hits him in the gut, and then they like drop down to their knees. Yeah, it was it was it was very dramatic, and I was that's I, I, why I thought it was a low blow. I was like, I was like, oh, we have a you know legal shot here, but it, in no way, shape, or form was a legal shot. But yeah, and then Chandler. Didn't step in confidently, which, you know, we all thought it was a low blow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. He was, well, I don't know what CJ Talent was arguing after the fact. Because, I mean, he, he even said himself, no, it wasn't a low blow. But, you know, shout out D'Angelo Johnson now undefeated, uh, still undefeated, actually, too, and oh no. Well, I mean, I still, I see why he would be upset still, though, because it, it was, it would be like kind of getting like hit and being like stunned, you know, but, and then them just like stepping in before you'd had enough damage. Cause I don't, I don't feel like it was enough to be, to stop the fight. Now, D'Angelo, no, I would imagine, would have had a position from that point, you know, but I think it was definitely a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a snafu on, a, on the officiator, officiating then. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, it was unfortunate. I mean, obviously, like you, you guys have both said, from everybody's vantage point, originally it looked like a low blow, but uh, as soon as we saw the replay, it was it was obvious that it was right to to the solar plex. But um, I feel like at that point, you know, when C, you know, like you said again, to, to CJ's credit, he could have said, "Yeah, it was a low blow," and just taken a minute to to recover and come back. Um, but that wasn't his mindset. He was thinking, "Oh man, you know, I'm in a fight right now. I'm not trying to." get out of it. Um, and I, I feel like Chandler should have just clapped him back on right then. Um, told him to stand up and, and get back after it right away and not give him any more of an opportunity to recuperate. Um, so that, that D'Angelo was able to reap some of the benefits of the big shot that he had landed, but, um, sucks for it to get called like that. It's a sticky situation. Now I think that that's one of the places where we need a little more clarity, 
Um, for judges, you know, that's kind of a gray spot. Like you don't really know what the, the, the standing rule is for that. It doesn't happen very often. So, um, but that's another place where I think replays could come in handy. You know, if the referee could have looked over it, you know, a, a side ref and they said, no, it's clean shot right away, you know, uh, but if you do that, you have to stop the fight. So, um, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that we should look at, you know, as a as a whole in the community as far as refing goes. Of course, uh, don't want to take anything away from D'Angelo Johnson, though. Uh, moves to 2-0 and oh, and uh, kind of on the scene now as a, a contender there at uh, Eli Heavyweight. I wouldn't mind seeing D'Angelo Johnson and Torres Finney go at it. That would be an interesting contender type fight, I think, at 205. Uh, how did they pick this one, Justin? Chad dropped that one going with talent. Greg and Hobbs both picked correctly. Didn't even show up to be in his corner either, did he? Nope. Uh, and then up next, we had Bantamweight. Uh, this one was a really good fight. Anthony Cochran, the Seagoat, gets a verbal submission about 30 seconds into the third round over Sean Paragoy, who is coming back off of a, a, a pretty good hiatus of about three years. It was Cochran, once again, looked great, shredded up. Tough opponent here in Sean Paragoy, who, who looked uh, like he was ready to uh, exchange in those grappling uh, uh, scrambles like Cochran's been so good at. And it was one-to-one going to the third round. Anthony lands, I guess, just the perfect uh, leg strike. And uh, Paragoy was uh, visibly affected by it uh, and, uh, and eventually tapped about maybe five or ten seconds later on the ground. Uh, Cochran moves to five and four. And, man, talk about a uh, candidate for most improved this year. I got to say Anthony Cochran's on the board uh, for sure. And uh, it is uh, Greg's take on this. Yeah, I, again, I take against Anthony Cochran. And, uh, like I said, my heart's with him every time he fights, but I'm always picking against him. And uh, But he keeps on, and he keeps on, and he keeps on surprising me. He goes into the third round right here and, uh, like you said, kicks uh, – kicks Paraguay in the in the right there in the leg and just he just he, he kind of tries to stand on it for a split second then he kind of like faints from realizing and you see a little Anthony Cochran just going for the kill mm-hmm. and uh, uh but I think that Anthony's found his his home at 135 and uh I can't wait to see uh I mean like uh, you said most improved fighter I mean how many fights is that for him in a row now is that uh in a row is that I believe three it's wins in three. A row now, he, he was two and four at one at one point Mm-hmm. And I think and, and, uh, I think it's been, uh, been easy wins over Dustin Garrett, Sean Paraguay. I don't know. I think that uh, I think that we may be due for a Bradley Brakefield rematch. Uh, if Bradley Brakefield could probably get down to thirty-five, or maybe they can meet it. I'd like to just see that rematch again. Yeah, that'd be one that I think uh, Cochran would I mean, definitely like to have back. I believe. I mean, that's. Uh, I was just throwing that out there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I also wouldn't mind seeing him fight old Micah Downs again because uh, I think that I think that. Anthony Cochran is a different fighter. And I even mentioned it to him on Facebook. We're going to have to change your name to Captain Cochran and leave the seagoat behind. Yeah, he's and, uh, up. I think he liked that right there. <laughs> How do we pick that one, Justin? Uh, Greg taking Paraguay, the other two taking Cochran there. All right. Up next, we had a, an anticipated welterweight fight. Two Virginians going at it. Selden Wright, the wrestler from Old Dominion, gets a unanimous decision win over a very game Sean Milks, who who knew what he was up against in this win. And to his credit, really had game plan pretty well. As soon as he, you know, he wasn't able to stop those takedowns, but as soon as he was on the ground, he was attacking submissions, but uh, ultimately just couldn't win those positional battles against a very put together Selden Wright, who moves to two and zero oh, and will be a problem, I believe, on that welterweight title scene moving forward. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? 
Yeah, no doubt. The wrestling of Sheldon Wright is, is going to be something that's going to be tough for anybody to deal with. Uh, once he gets you down, the top pressure is just, just going to be a lot. Um, like you said, Sean Milks, I think, had a good count for himself, being able to hang it out and uh, showed some heart and not giving up in there. But Sheldon Wright's just, just a, a, going to be a dominant force moving forward, I think. Um, let's see. In our picks, everybody took right there. All right. Up next, it is uh, a bantamweight contest. Jacob Romano defeats the previously undefeated Jackson Donovan, who falls to five and one. Jacob Romano moves up to nine and five. Upstate Karate product looked very good, very composed out there. His, his experience uh, level showed here is a big step up from Jackson Donovan, and uh, the, the scrambles were good. Uh, Donovan had his moments, but Romano remained calm at, at all times and ends up getting a uh, submission by guillotine late into the first round. And, um, you know, both these guys, I think, are still going to uh, have very bright futures moving forward. Greg, Greg, you there? I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I lost right there. I was trying to look on pathology. This is, was this Combi or Donovan? Donovan fought Romano. Yeah, Jackson Donovan and Jacob Romano. I apologize. I apologize. I lost you for a second there, and you, I'm sorry. But, uh, uh, yeah, but um, and I, I think I picked Jackson Donovan in there because I always call him the uh, Tom Brady, but hey, Tom Brady loses too. So, uh, but Jacob Romano comes down there and uh, puts on a clinic, man. He just uh, really shows, uh, uh, you know, before Jackson Donovan makes that pro jump, you know, what, what he's going to be up against, you know, when he goes in there. So I think this is a good wake up call, Jackson Donovan, and uh, you know, real good, uh, really outstanding performance by Romano, man. I. I think he makes the jump here soon, too. I don't yeah, see one. Yeah, I would think so. 14 uh, amateur fights at this point. I'd say Romano is more than ready. Donovan will take a lot out of this one, I'm sure. And uh, I would I would expect to see the best version of him we've seen coming up next. Uh, how do we pick that one there, Justin? Uh, let's see it. Um, Chad picked Romano. The other two took Donovan. Who, uh, if, if Romano didn't decide that he wanted to take that jump next who has the uh the title at 35 right now it, it's vacant right now and so like what would make sense honestly anthony would be Cochran. would be anthony cochran coming off of his wins it's, it's quite a fight it's a tough fight for both guys romano's still pretty salty there i think he can keep up in the scrambles where a lot of these guys haven't been able to i think it would be a, a, a probably a three-round war yeah, that would that would be a fun fight. I, I, I agree there. Okay, moving on. It was a number one contender uh, fight at uh, a light heavyweight. So, to set the stage a little bit, you've got some of these guys like, uh, uh, you know, your John Hamptons, your Torres Finney's, your, uh, your um, uh, D'Angelo Johnson's that are kind of moving up on the other side. The winner of this, I would imagine, is going to uh, face off with one of those guys. But uh, it was Tristan Scarborough who remains undefeated, moves to 3-0 with a win over Josh Cumbie, who was returning after several years off, had a lot more experience, good close first round. It was really weird. Uh, you know, I thought Scarborough got the better of that first round, but then in between rounds, Cumbie just said he was done. He said, uh, I guess there was just like a, a moment of clarity where he just decided this just wasn't what he wanted to do. Uh, you know, he wanted to put his family first and, uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, plaudible. Um, but, uh, decided he wanted to go back out there in the second round. Definitely an odd finish to this one. Uh, congrats to Tristan Scarborough though, who will be fighting for that strap next time. Uh, your thoughts, Justin. Yeah, it's a tough way to realize this is not the game you want to play. Um, but Very. better, better late than never, I guess. Um, but yeah, Tristan Scarborough moving up to three and oh, um, you know, had a little bit of adversity. Cumbie was was giving him giving it back to him a little bit, and now he'll 
He'll uh, get to fight for that title. Did you say that was uh, that was Tank's title? He's gone pro now, right? Well, two hundred five. No, actually, um, the Tank was a one eighty five uh, title holder. The two hundred five belt. We we've, we've never had a champion just because we've. It's always been just a very shallow division. Oh, okay. Hmm. Who's uh, and do you already have? Do you already have the other contender lined up? Well, not not really, but I feel like we, uh, you know, between uh, your uh, your John Hamptons, your Torres Finneys, your D'Angelo Johnsons, we can surely get a fight made between a couple of those guys for uh, January to figure out, you know, who's going to come over on that other side. All right, everybody dropped that when everybody went with uh, Josh Cumby there. Okay, very nice. Um, up next, a number one contender spot at, at 155, as we'll def- uh, decide that title between uh, Alex Pergande and Brandon McGee here, likely in January. Uh, but this one was, uh, man, what a fight this was. Parker Wadman moves to 4-2 and two with a third-round anaconda choke over uh, Ryan Camp, who was just put together like very few 155ers you'll ever see. This guy was just... An absolute specimen uh, looked really good in the first two rounds. The takedowns of camp uh, secured him the first two rounds. Parker knew he had to have the finish in the third round, and that's exactly what he did as he got that submission in the third round and a big comfort behind win as he just showed that experience. You know, uh, camp hadn't been put in, the, in that position before. I uh, talking to his coaches after we just said he, he just didn't know what to do. Essentially, he had, they hadn't gone over that. So uh, congrats to Parker Wadman, man. A really impressive win for him, and uh, it'd be interesting to see how he does against the winner of that title fight coming up in January. Camp falls to one and one. Still a very, very solid prospect. He's uh, one that you don't want to sleep on uh, at one and one. He'll still uh, he'll still be a handful. That's for sure. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and eat my crow because I told you guys last week that he read Ryan Camp wrestled for Coker and they were top 25 D2 school in the nation. And I just didn't see you know, Parker, Parker uh, standing there with his wrestling. And, uh, and, and Parker has made me eat crow. I mean, he, he's probably hearing him on commentary, uh, talking, you know, talking his smack afterwards. Like, I think somebody owes me some money because I think it was Chad Finney or Jeff made some, made some kind of bet last week. And, uh, he came over and told me that I owed him money. And he, I never got to par- talk to Parker, you know, personally, but he was a pretty cool cat about everything. And, uh, but, uh, and, and when I told, and when I wrote, you know, one of his things, I was like, hey, man, he's the, he's in season right now. Ryan Camp's in season. I thought that he's like, you know, prime Ryan Camp right now. It's preseason. But I also said that I could see Parker getting a, uh, like a guillotine submission or something like that. And uh, I like when I said that Ryan Camp's in season now and Parker Wadman says I'm always in season. And he was down two to nothing, you know, you know, 18 to nothing or 18 to whatever it is, you know, 20 to 18 going into the third round and ends up finishing him. I mean, that was a comeback victory. That was awesome. I can't, I gotta tip my hat there to Parker Wadman. Yeah, Parker came up to me first yelling that I owed him some money and said that somebody had said something like that on the podcast. And I guess Nick told him that I was, it was probably me running my mouth. So he thought it was me, but um, <laughs> I thought I was gonna get beat up there for a second. Parker looked awesome, man. I like, I just, just to touch on it, this isn't my go, but um, that, that's, just shows you that he's ready to make that jump, you know, being down two to one, he knew that he was down two or two to nothing. He knew he was down and made the adjustments to come back. And he's, he's one of the, there's a handful of guys out of that gym that are just, you know, Cochran's one of them, Wiggly, just those guys are just gritty, tough, tough to get out of there. Um, And, and Parker Wadman's one of those dudes. It was a big win. Um, And Greg's the only one that dropped that one with camp. 
All right. Up next, it was a featherweight bout. Sam Kilmer comes in uh, and uh, and gets the submission by Rene Choke over Matthew Coakley, who was returning after about eight years off, but had uh, like 15 more fights than the young Sam Kilmer, who improves to an official 4-0, uh, really 6-0 if you count his two fights he had before he was 18. And uh, he's a solid prospect. I will say Kilmer missed weight by about three or four pounds. So uh, Coakley, uh, who does make Bantamweight, was outsized quite a bit here against uh, the young Sam Kilmer. But nonetheless, Sam Kilmer gets the win, moves to 4-0. Um, uh, it comes from far, pretty far into Virginia. I think, I don't know, you know, that he'll be a regular on our scene here, but I was still, uh, still impressed with him all the same. Just, yeah, I was definitely impressed with him, uh, being a, a young kid. He's got a lot of talent, uh, four and oh now. Um, I would, I wouldn't, if we're going to see him back, I wouldn't mind seeing him contend for that strap or a number one contender fight. Um, but <clears throat> probably a guy that, that's not going to be an amateur for, for too much longer. I would imagine. And how did everybody select that one? Uh, let's see. Everybody took Kilmore there. All right. Up next, man, this is what they came for. It was a uh, uh, catch weight about 195 pounds. Sexy Lee Radford makes his debut uh, here. And, man, he packed the house out. They were all there to see Lee Radford in support of him as uh, he went out there and got the win in the first round, 57 seconds in with the guillotine over Caleb Holt. They were throwing some leather early, man. Both guys connecting. Caleb Holt landed a couple really nice ones on Lee. Uh, Lee able to get the get him down uh, though, and uh, and got that guillotine choke. And uh, man, the place was electric. Like uh, they blew up at that point, and uh, it was a uh, awesome. Uh, it was an awesome spectacle to be a part of. Uh, it's one of those nights that you just won't forget. That kind of energy there for that fight. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I've seen Lee multiple times before this fight, and I didn't know how serious he was going to take the game coming in here. And uh, I don't know if what he was saying after the fact, like of the fight, I don't know if it was if he was selling bullshit and just trying to trying to uh, trying to make people cry or something like that. But I'm telling you right now that I was buying that bullshit because he almost had me in tears talking about how like no matter what, and I, I know I'm I'm being lengthy on these, but dude, I gotta I gotta say. Man, when he mentioned like nobody in this cage is a loser, he's like, because I know, I know that I lost a lot. You all, everybody here, you all came to watch me and you seen me lose before. You seen me lose a lot. And he goes, and I stepped in the cage tonight. I didn't know if I was going to win or not. He goes, that guy punched me a bunch. <laughs> that guy punched me a bunch. <laughs> and then he said, uh, and then after that, he just goes, he goes, but I didn't win or lose. He goes, I'm a winner. He said, because you all came out here tonight. And that just, that, uh, that made me get a little choked up over it. I was like, Chad, dog, you know, like I said, if I don't know if he really believes the shit he's selling, but I'm buying it right now. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah so, no doubt, man. At yeah, least man, kind of guy, you know, if you're at the shows, then, you know, you'll see him. He's always at all the shows, always having a good time. Just an absolute. Uh, you'll hear him. A, a joy you'll to hear be him around. before you see him. Yeah, he's a, he's a good. You'll hear him before you see him. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, uh, you uh, you've been to a lot of shows in your years. Uh, this one was uh, the the vibe on this one was different. Yeah, man, you, I, you, I've definitely never seen an amateur crowd or you know a crowd there for an amateur a debut amateur like that. Um, you know, the only time that we've seen crowds like that are from from you know guys who are well established in the pro ranks and and have a big following and. Um, Lee's just a good dude, man, and everybody wants to see see good things for him. And um, you know, him and Caleb went in there and, and went at it and and gave everybody what they wanted to see. Um, Lee's been through a lot, man. He's had some some tough times, and 
he's uh he's a good dude, man. I was I was really happy to see him see him up there and, and happy. Um, hope to see him see him fight again. And he came through for the picks panel as well, huh? Oh yeah, everybody went with him on that. One. <laughs> uh, first, uh, our first of three title fights. We'll wrap this bad boy up. Uh, it was man, short and sweet here from Kyle Linder, who moves on to Forno with a 15 second Americana win over Ray Hewlett. Man, this one never had a chance to get going before Kyle Linder was on him. Real quick, the the speed at which Kyle Linder closes the gap and and imposes his will is astonishing. Uh, it I I don't know what 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 flyweight amateurs in the area are going to be able to do anything with him at this point. Um, you know, Javante Miles Trowell, JMT down in, in uh, Alabama reached out saying he wanted to crack at him. You know, he's got the athleticism maybe, but I mean, whoo, um, I, I have a hard time seeing too many of our flyweights in the area being able to do anything with Kyle Lindner, who comes all the way down from Connecticut, stays at Shield Systems for five weeks after he beat Nick Ferguson last Last fight in uh, in less time, he beat him in eleven or twelve seconds in a in a submission, and uh, you know, uh, massive step up here from from Nick Ferguson to Ray Hewlett. Uh, very very impressive win by Kyle Linder. I've got to say, uh, Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't. I, I can't think of anybody um, in the amateurs that that could give him a run or the pros either. I don't. I can't even think of. I can only think of one uh, flyweight right now that I would enjoy watching him fight against and it would be a pro fight and this this kid uh decided he was going to go pro a year and a half or so ago and hasn't made the jump yet so um but that's that's the only one uh yeah kyle linder's a beast is he is he still sticking around or did he go back to connecticut or i would imagine he went back to connecticut but i do think we will see him again i'm assuming you're talking about jacob clemens and if that's the case uh, clemens helped him get ready for this body shield system oh i didn't know jacob was over there yeah, yeah, that's that is who I was talking about. Uh, Greg, I was having a brain fart though; I couldn't remember his name. Real quickly, Greg, your thoughts on Kyle Linder and maybe a pro fight against a Nathan Lindsay may be interesting. Uh, just from the grappling, yeah, that's. I just uh, that that kid uh, Linder. He was he's quick, man. He didn't leave no he didn't leave no room for gas. So he does he gives us nothing to. I mean, he looked so spectacular in his performance. You know, I mean, that was a one-sided fight from the get-go, and I, I don't know. I don't know who he's pairing with right now. I don't know. And it, it, we keep talking about all these amateurs that need to make the jump to pro. I mean, once they make the pro, pro jump to pro, I mean, who are we gonna who are we gonna match one like this with as soon as we get get here? But yeah, well, uh, Nathan Lindsay, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay in Nashville that wants to grapple, you know. Yeah, Nathan Lindsay in Nashville would be a perfect fight. Perfect. And our picks on this one, uh, Justin. Uh, Greg and Hobbs went with Linder. Chad went with Hewlett. Co-main event of the evening. It was a rematch for the Valor Featherweight Championship held by the reigning and defending champion Andrew Sturdivant, fresh off of a win over the aforementioned Nick Wigley. That was in Chattanooga just a couple months back. Looked great in that fight. Uh, and uh, he was looking to to break his his career-long streak of alternating wins and losses here, trying to get, make it two straight including two in, uh, over his opponent, but it wasn't to be on this evening. Garrett Sharp from KMA gets a uh, very impressive unanimous decision win. Um, all the judges, all the cards uh, over Andrew Sturdivant. Garrett uh, 
Garrett's wrestling looked very good. Uh, avenges his only loss of his career and moves to six six and one. Immediately vacates the title though, as he declares uh, his intentions to go pro. Looks like he's ready for that. Uh, that little that little crop that has come up from KMAA at the same time, your Dan Bailey's, your Garrett Sharps, uh, that those guys, uh, you know, they're starting to your tank. Uh, you know, guys like that, they all kind of started together and they're all starting to kind of go pro together, it looks like. So that's interesting to see Andrew Sturdivant, uh back to the drawing board as he uh, goes back to the pattern of the wins and losses. He's ready to get back at it soon, it sounds like. Uh, maybe even want to kickbox here in December. So, uh, Greg. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and eat crow here, too, because I picked uh, Andrew Sturdivant on this pick as well uh, because he won last time. And uh, speaking of eating crow, I think that uh, I know I remember Sam McAlpin saying that uh, uh, that Andrew Sturdivant was gonna, wasn't going to have an issue with Garrett Sharp. So I based my pick a lot on that one pick on a lot of what Sam McAlpin was saying. Plus, Andrew already had that one. But yeah, I, as long with Sam McAlpin, need to eat some eat some crow on that. But and, and let me just I just have to say this and just throw a little teaser, not a teaser, but just to me and you've talked about Tim, or you're talking about Garrett Sharp, Anthony Cochran. Um, Nick Wigley and Tank and all those guys going pro at the same time, it just it still makes me want to do the whole like team versus team kind of gig at some point in time down the future because all that that whole that whole crew right there would be a, a really good crew to take with you, you know. I, I don't know. I just uh, but in Garrett Sharp, yeah, stood out uh, head and shoulders above Andrew Sturdivant. That that night was the better fighter. He was, and there was hands down no decision. I mean, his his sweeps, his double legs, two side control. Is what is what secured the whole fight for him, and then just the top pressure that heavy. Garrett wasn't a wrestler, but he's just a heavy rest, wrestling base right there with his hips on top of start and just kept range, kept fishing, and just wouldn't leave, wouldn't leave no room. Just 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 was crowded the whole time, and it was it was a really good performance by Garrett Sharp. And uh, I had to go over after and squeeze his ear because I saw that thing puffed up, man. That thing's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, congratulations to the to the new champ, Garrett Sharp. It was awesome. Uh, Justin, your thoughts and how did they pick him? I thought Garrett looked awesome, man. You know, he's, he's a guy that's, you know, he's been ready to make the pro jump. He wanted to get one more amateur one in there. Um, and this is a good one for him to, to get. Andrew Sturdivant is a guy that I, I think could fall right into the mid-level, uh, you know, pro ranks uh, right now. And, and Garrett was, you know, able to get a pretty dominant decision over him um, after having, you know, that that be his only loss. He was able to get over the mental hurdle um, and went out there and, and dominated. And, um uh, again, I, I I love to see Andrew going pro before too long as well. He's like you say, he's had alternating wins and losses, but he's fighting, you know, guys that are the the top of the top at the amateur forty fives. You know, um, so uh, but yeah, Garrett Sharp. Were you talking, Greg? Were you talking about like a a co promotion thing, or are you talking about like a like a uh, quintet type? Oh no no no! I was just like I know like within battle like I mean Team KMA versus Team Agogi. Yeah. versus Team P- P-Mac, that kind of deal. You know, something that would be pretty cool to do. Like, I, yeah. I, you know, amateur or pro, you know, a mixture of both. You figure out a point system to score and knock out so many points for the team. This, and it, and it, it's just, I think it'd be really cool to do. I really, we, we had talked about it at one point, but I'd really like to see a quint, get do a quintet, you know, with get a few teams and do a quintet I, I, gra- grappling match. That, you could even you could even do it with, with slaps if we wanted to, to, just to change it up a little bit. I'm yeah. down for the quintet and anything. That'd be awesome to have. 
Yeah, we talked. We've talked about it. We need to with the COVID shit. Just think, you know, through things for a wrench. We'll try to get back on track with that here next year. Um, Heavyweights, two of the biggest guys you're going to see uh, step into the Valor Cage. Both these guys, six six plus. C.J. Baker taking on Julian Goins. Both undefeated. Neither guy had ever gotten out of the first round without knocking somebody out. C.J. Baker comes out on top here, though. He moves to 5-0 and with a second round rear naked choke with four seconds to go in the round over Julian the Black Cowboy Goins. Um, this fight a bit different than uh, your your prior fights for either of these guys. We got a lot more clinch heavy here. And, uh, you know, C.J. Baker had made the move to Blaylocks. And, uh, and I think that may have really... Uh, may have been the difference in this one, um, you know, kind of adding some dimensions to his game. Um, you know, uh, it, it, we got to see, a, a, you know, a lot more, I guess, grappling exchanges, for lack of a better word here, than what we've seen out of these guys in the past. But, uh, you know, Goins, I'm sure, uh, very young in the game. He'll he'll bounce back. CJ, 5-0 and now, and is now ranked the number one, uh, uh, number one heavyweight amateur in the whole Southeast and, and of course, the state as well. So uh, he's already asking who's next. I'm not sure what we'll do next. Uh, I'll have to figure that out here uh, pretty soon, but a nice win for CJ Baker. Um, I'll get thoughts from both of you guys and we'll wrap this bad boy up. Uh, we'll go to Justin first. Yeah, this was, this was different. You know, I think CJ Baker's has, like you said, he's always been first round knockouts. He's coming in for, to land big shots. And I think that's what Julian Goins wanted. I think that's what all the fans wanted, but CJ Baker had a different, different plan and he wanted to show that he's, he's, it has developed his game a little more, and um, he does have that wrestling background. And uh, being with with Blaylocks, they were able to to game plan and, and allow him to utilize you know more of it. He got almost out of the second round and was able to get some cage time in there. Um, so yeah, I look for a big step up in competition. Um, it's wild to think of you know this kid was an independent who was just stepping in to fight the Tennessee football player. Um, at the stadium or at the uh, Coliseum, and now he's the number one um, heavyweight in the Southeast. So, um, pretty cool story with CJ Baker there. Uh, Julian Goins, I think we'll see back pretty soon. Um, you know, I think he just wasn't really ready for the takedowns. He was was kind of thinking he was going to go get into a striking affair, and uh, CJ just didn't oblige. Greg, your thoughts? Hard to believe, man. Like Justin brought up just about uh, three years ago, CJ was about to make his MMA debut against AJ Johnson, uh, who's now with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Seeing reading it in Knoxville, all about it. So, uh, with that being said, CJ Baker is now the champ at five and zero. Who's he got next? I mean, we know who who could it, who it could be. I mean, we just got to get this guy uh, active, uh, James Garmany. You know, somebody like that. Somebody like, uh, I mean, Torres Finney's been, he's fighting. I'm sorry, what? You said maybe Dale Dodds. That's what I was going to say, Dale Dodds. Yeah, but I'd like to see him have to get past Julian Goins first before he could fight T.J. Baker. To be honest, that's what I would like to see. Yeah, I would. And then, uh, there. And I, I want to see that first. And then, you know, uh, I mean, and I know that Torres Finney wants to fight 205, but that's a big kid, man. And he's strong, and I see him uh, being a force if he wanted to at heavyweight. I know he has no intentions of doing that, but I could see it. Can you see the weigh-in pictures between those two? <laughs> oh, dear, who, uh, CJ Baker and uh, Danny? Dude, that, it's literally a foot difference, probably. Maybe more. Just wait till you get. Just wait till Finny Torres wins the uh, 205 strap and decides to be a champ, champ at heavyweight, and then we'll. <laughs> or he might want to go down to 185. 
you know, I don't see anybody 85 maybe being able to, to stop him either. Uh, <laughs> that kid's a hoss. Okay, no, no, let's go back to T.J. Baker, though. I apologize. But uh, T.J. Baker, I don't know who we got him. James Garmy is the only one I can see standing in his way right now. Uh, other than that, uh, I want to see Dale Dodds have to get past Julian Goins. And if no one, I think Julian Goins, hey, I mean, we got to find somebody else for C.J. to fight. But if we can't, I mean, that's the guy, again, Julian I mean, but James Garmany. I'd like to see that other fight, though, first, Dale Dodds uh, and Julian. And how do we pick that one, Justin? Chad went with Goins, Hobbs and Greg took Baker on that one. And how did we? And so at the end of the night, how did we're one one more time? How how did everybody? Where, where do we stand? I guess going into this final show of the year. All right. So our just on the week, Hobbs won the week by two picks with uh, sixteen. Greg and and Chad with fourteen. So uh, going in going into the last one, we have Hobbs in the lead with seventy one. Greg with sixty seven, and Chad with. 61 so chad's got all the room in the world to make up and uh greg's within striking range but he's gonna have to have a good a good show in this kickboxing one which is gonna be a hard one to to pick because how are we gonna do that with picking the quarterfinals and all that stuff i don't know i was thinking that we would do we'll pick the quarterfinals but then we'll also have a bonus pick for overall tournament winner which will be worth more Mm -hmm. um uh, what what's the gap again uh, Greg's four down and Chad's four. ten down. Okay, so we'll say that the winner, if you pick, you know, we'll pick the quarterfinal matches, but then we'll say that if you, we'll also have another bonus pick where you pick the winner of the whole tournament on each side, and that will be worth five. Twenty points. Okay. <laughs> Twenty <laughs> points. Twenty points. That'd be that'd be a, that'd be a hard one to get. Yeah, we'll say it's worth yeah. five. Yeah, well, it's a tough tournament. It's just a tough tournament, man. Oh, dude, it's going to be really – they're both very close in their own ways. Like your 45s are very mm-hmm. much more experienced, technical, um, you know, uh, your more traditional tie guys. Not to say that the guys at 170 are not technical or not tie guys, but it's going to be more um, more lower records with lesser experience, but like MMA experience and just like tough – uh, you know, hard nosed guys. So they're very different uh, brackets, but they're both very close uh, in their own way. So I'm excited for that. We'll get into a lot more of that here uh, in the following weeks. Let's wrap this thing up, guys. Uh, we will. Uh, we'll be back with y'all next week. Uh, from all of that, we only had one interview owed. Is that right, Justin? Uh, two, I believe. I'll have to go back and and look. Um, Chuclea. I believe, there was, I believe there was two. Chuclea and. I feel like there was another one. Let me look over. It was Chiclea and Cumby. Uh, everybody took Cumby. Yeah, everybody took Cumby. We have yeah, Scarborough yeah, so Chiclea and, and Scarborough. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Uh, very good, guys. Uh, before we wrap this thing up, folks, uh, if you would, uh, if you would give us a, uh, um, a subscribe, uh, you know, subscribe wherever you are, you're listening to this podcast, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or what have you, uh, please continue to uh, to tune in every week. Share uh, our social media and join it there as well. On Facebook, we've got a page. If you would give it a like, we would appreciate that. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, UFC recaps and we'll start diving into uh, some year year in review year in type uh, award type talk since all the MMA is done now and we're down to just the tie for the last of the year uh, thanks so much to Greg Hopkins for sitting in and as well to, uh, for my co-host Justin Watson I'm Tim Loy and we are going to sign out we'll see you guys next week 
Valor Hour. We're out. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 